0: Hello, I hope you're keeping well this week. This is the Africa Climate Conversations podcast. Today being a Thursday. And as you know, we have been talking about financing change in Africa. I'm your host, Sophie Mo. Today we're talking about the Scaling Up Renewable Energy Program in Low-Income Countries, or SREP funded by the Strategic Climate Fund. The Strategic Climate Fund is one of the two climate investments funds. Now, SREP, it's been financing the scaled-up deployment of renewable energy solutions aimed at increasing energy access and economic opportunities. Now, the funds are channeled through five multilateral development banks, the Africa Development Bank being among the banks. So today, Jimmy Panett joins us. Jimmy is an energy specialist at the Climate Investment. Funds. Later in the show, Paul Ngoge, the geothermal development company regional manager, will tell us about geothermal exploration in Kenya and the 1,600 megawatts Menengai geothermal project funded by SREP. But before we do, just a quick reminder that this episode is part of the Financing Change in Africa series, a series that has been made possible by a collaboration between the Climate Investment Funds, the African Development Bank, and the Africa Climate Conversations. So when you're talking about scaling up renewable energy uh, program in low-income countries, what is the project about? And when was it
1: started? Okay. The Climate Investment Funds, which is an $8 billion fund aimed at assisting developing and middle-income countries with climate change issues and reducing their greenhouse gas emissions. So we have investments in clean energy and climate resilience in sustainable forestry. And the idea here is to test business models and approaches to to build a track record in unproven markets and boost investor confidence to unlock additional finances from other sources uh, particularly the private sector uh, the multilateral development banks and other bilaterals so mm-hmm. examples of the risky upfront costs of geothermal exploration to see if wells are feasible to produce steam for energy de- generation or to demonstrate that local markets and solar power local banks to lend money to fund other renewable energy projects. So in terms of unlocking additional resources, uh, rep has actually been doing quite well. So what yeah. I mean is for every dollar that SREP invests, $5 are leveraged from other sources. Uh, The multilateral development banks that we go through are the African Development Bank, the Asian Development Bank, the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, the Inter-American Development Bank, and the World Bank through its IBRD IDA and IFC branches. So the ESREP program, uh, which stands for the Scaling Up Renewable Energy Program in low-income countries, follows these lines, but with an extra focus on increasing energy access through the use of renewable energies. So technology examples would be, you know, investing in solar, geothermal, biomass, or even mini grids. Uh, The program launched in 2010 as a pilot for Mm -hmm. six countries and approximately $300 million. And over time, the number of participating countries and funding has increased. So ESREP now consists of 27 pilot countries with approximately $765 million uh, in funds. Now, most of these funds, have now been allocated. Uh, We have 52 projects approved by the SREP subcommittee, and of these 46 are currently under implementation by the MDBs. So these investments can be in direct form, such as paying for mini grids or a solar park, uh, as well as funding for technical assistance or providing capital for the private sector to deploy renewable energy technology.
0: And out of these particular projects, how many of these are in Africa? And where specifically are you in Africa? And what kind of projects are you funding in Africa?
1: Africa is the region with our largest investments. Almost 45% of our funds are deployed there, with implementation splits between the World Bank and the African Development Bank. We're active overall in nine countries. Uh, with the African Development Bank, there's a concentration on Kenya, Mali, Liberia, and we're looking at possibilities, uh, for example, in Ghana. Overall, in terms of results, uh, most of our portfolio is still relatively young. We had 14 of our 27 countries in Ezra been added in 2014. So approximately 50% of our portfolio is under two years of implementation. And the nature of our projects is one that the majority of results appear close to completion. Having said that, uh, we've added 170 megawatts of installed capacity uh, to the continent, and approximately 175,000 new people now have access to electricity in Africa through the EZREP program. Uh, but not all results are pure numbers. For example, in Ethiopia, through the IFC, the geothermal sector strategy regulation project which is a technical assistance project Mm -hmm. resulted in the development of strategy roadmap and draft licensing regulations for the geothermal sector Mm -hmm. in mali for the african development bank the promoting and scaling up the renewable energy project focused on improving policy legal regulatory and institutional framework to increase renewable energy investments and strengthen capacity Uh, This contributed to the approval of 31 renewable energy projects, amounting to a cumulative of $1.2 billion in public and private uh, sector-funded renewable energy uh, projects since 2015. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, Also, uh, through the African Development Bank in Liberia, the Renewable Energy Project is funding a run-of-the-river hydro plant to increase access to isolated and remote areas of the country. Here, Ezrep is supporting uh, a means to demonstrate that renewable energy for electrification is indeed a scalable option, as opposed to simply adding diesel generators to the system. Mm. But it's important to highlight that the ESREP projects are not meant to pay for all new generation. Rather, they're there to cover the initial obstacles, the risky aspects of investments, to allow other resources of finance to come in. Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier the geothermal, one of our star examples is the African Development Bank's uh, Kenya Menengai geothermal project, which Mm -hmm. is one of our first projects to be completed through ESREP, where we funded the exploration of geothermal wells. Uh, We're happy that it proved to be a good source to generate electricity. So this is the first step in expanding geothermal energy in Kenya, for example. One
0: of the challenges when it comes to many African countries, especially sub-Saharan African countries, is uh, the issue of efficiency when it comes to the grid. You find that many African countries struggle with the distribution and a lot of energy that is actually generated is lost during distribution. I'm wondering if SREP just funds projects that are geared towards generating this energy or do you also fund projects that are geared towards ensuring efficiency
1: in distribution? Uh, no, we do uh, address some of the distribution issues uh, mm-hmm. and that comes in the form of mini grid projects okay. or some of the solar projects mm-hmm. that we deal with. Uh-huh. So, and, and part of that is to also build resilience in the grid so that at the distribution level uh, even if you cut off from the main grid the the local level still continues to operate so that's why we have some of the mini grid options uh we have a mini grids project in liberia but through the world bank okay which we operate there and then we also have some of the uh solar projects which we deal with we have uh projects again uh in mali we have a solar project there where we're trying to allow for your local, your rural, and your decentralized communities to have access to energy. So it does indirectly affect the, the distribution of energy. So it's not just your big power plant generation units,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which are being funded through Rep.
0: And, and and finally, how does the future look like for in Africa?
1: The future? Uh, I think the future looks, looks bright for renewable energy in Africa. One of the, uh, the beauties of the technology now seems that Africa is able to leapfrog in a way that other developed countries didn't. So while we're increasing the access to electricity in Africa, we're not having to go through all the coal and oil uh generation first mm-hmm. before we get to the renewables it's in africa we're looking at being able to go straight to renewables as we're increasing access throughout the continent mm-hmm. so there is a lot of potential with solar we have seen geothermal in kenya there are plans there to have uh, you know gigawatts of installed capacity you know ethiopia's increasing there significantly. So there are a lot of places where there is a huge potential for renewable energy to be uh, deployed in Africa. We're looking uh, at some projects uh, in Ghana, Mm -hmm. uh, Lesotho, maybe Madagascar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are some of the countries that we're looking at for the the remaining funds in ESREP. As I said, most of our funds have already been allocated. But we're looking at possibilities there, looking at projects in terms of mini-grid, additional solar, uh, other on-grid technologies uh, to help expand uh, the access through the various technologies or through the mini-grids. So that's what we're looking at as possibilities uh, in in Africa. Uh, We're trying to see maybe uh, give additional financing to help with other geothermal projects, maybe in Kenya, that's a Mm -hmm. possibility. So a lot of things are in in the works. Uh, A lot of it doesn't depend just on ESREP, it depends on uh, how the countries are moving forward, uh, and also with the current situation with COVID-19, how things develop uh, in that sense. But we Mm -hmm. are looking uh, at those possibilities. In fact, most of our pipeline projects are in Africa. Uh, So we continue to heavily invest in the continent.
0: That was Jimmy Panett telling us about the SREP project. Now, Paul, you are an engineer and have worked for years on geothermal exploration in Kenya. Please tell us about GDC and what led to geothermal exploration in Kenya.
2: Geothermal Development Company is um, a government entity. The mandate given to geothermal development company is to do exploration and development of geothermal potential within the country uh, what that means is that um, we are supposed to uh, we have skills within the company that uh, we do all the geoscientific work uh, in potential areas once we believe that a specific sport is, is uh, has the potential we require that is of commercial uh, interest, then uh, we bring in, um, we do the infrastructure work. That is the roads, uh, water supply for drilling, electricity for for utility, and also for pumping. And then uh, we put in rigs and we drill to prove the resources there. That's uh, probably the most important part, um, which essentially means that we prove the existence of the resource. After resource has been proven, we continue drilling uh, to do all appraised or assessment. And essentially, the next phase of, the res- of, of our activities is to assess uh, its capacity to generate electricity. Thereafter, we may or may not get into what we call production drilling, really, just entails to populate and to provide the energy that is required to operate a power plant. Uh, Essentially, our mandates stop there. Uh, However, we we are engaged in also identifying uh, potential uh, developers uh, who may come and utilize the energy uh, to to essentially generate. Uh, In in the 1990s, uh, the country found itself having challenges in being able to raise capital. And uh, such, the country has been searching for ways of getting the private sector, getting involved with uh, providing capital for infrastructure development, especially energy. And uh, therefore, GDC specifically was meant to what we call the de-risking part, where we take away the the upfront risks, which have been known by uh, most of the Practitioners in this industry uh, to be deterrent for the private sector. But once the resources have been developed, uh, they have been proven, sized. The risk is lower, and at that point, uh, we can be able to essentially bring up um, the private sector who readily are willing to put in money.
0: And when it comes to geothermal potential in Kenya, how many projects are you having? Uh, sites, active sites, And what are you? What 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 amount of energy? Are we talking about?
2: Essentially the estimated potential in Kenya is uh, in the tune of about 10,000 based on the current technology and here when I say based on the current technology mm-hmm. uh, because as technology improves uh, then a specific a capacity of energy can uh, be generated better when efficiencies are improved. Mm-hmm. So as a country, we have a potential of about 10,000, which largely remains unutilized. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, our total geodermo, uh utilization is uh, roughly about uh, 680, 90, uh, 690 megawatts. Essentially, that shows that we have only probably used less than 10% of what we believe exists. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the country then uh, has been, has formed GDC to try and uh, essentially be able to make this resource available. Uh, so, what have we ourselves done? Uh, maybe just to give a country perspective, uh, there are two areas that have now been developed. Uh, one is Okaria, where most of this, almost the almost 690 megawatts have been developed. Yeah. That is under a company called Kenjin and also uh, one of the private sector, o- power 4. Uh, the other areas that have now been um, uh, developed, there's an area called Eburu, and uh, Eburu again is under Kenjin in terms of development. There is a 2.5 megawatt plant which has been put. Uh, after this, uh, GDC, from its inception, has uh, discovered steam in Meningai. Uh, which is essentially our, 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 our first bond mm-hmm. in terms of uh, our projects, in terms of proving the existence of uh, the resource. And uh, in recent times, we have also drilled and proven uh, a resource also in uh, a place we call Parker. Uh, and also we are currently also carrying some activities in an area uh, much more north of Meningai, which is called uh, uh, Korosi. Now when we look at the resource available, especially in terms of development, Meningai's potential is estimated at about 1,600. Uh, and uh, I may want to bring in the issue of uh, the help that we have received from African Development Bank and also from um, funds that we received also from grants. Uh, and uh, with those monies, we have been able to prove now a resource that is already 170 megawatts in Meningai and uh, 105 megawatts are now gotten um, uh, in an arrangement with our private sector uh, where the private sector mm-hmm. are scheduled to put in uh, power plants uh, for generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, The area of uh, Paka and and Korosi, this is an area, there are more fields there, which is, uh, uh, we have Korosi, Paka, and also we have Silali and other small fields. We estimate that the total potential in that area is about 3,000 megawatts, and we are only starting that work. Now, if I were just to look at uh, the the opportunities that we receive from the World Bank, as well as uh, the grants we received. Uh, Some of the money went into the drilling of the process, so we have wells uh, from which we can be able to demonstrate 170 megawatts. We also bought rigs, and these now rigs have become a major instrument uh, in the country uh, because we can now, within the country, be able to expand uh, at a very low, cash inflow uh, into other potential uh, sites like now what is happening at uh, Corossian.
0: Yeah, and at what cost? Uh,
2: when we look at uh, maybe costs, each site is normally has a different um, costs.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and essentially what drives cost is um, the topography. Uh, how close in uh, a specific site is to uh, existing infrastructure, especially main roads, uh, and also whether we have um, water bodies around, which therefore means that uh, we are able to put in, uh, uh, we can be able to harness some of those uh, resources easily. Mm-hmm. If we look at Meningai uh, at the moment, uh, the costs that uh, we have in terms of wealth is uh, roughly about. 26 billion uh, Kenya shillings that is probably about uh, uh, 200 million Kenya shillings. now uh, mm-hmm. because the resource is also being expanded so uh, w- the unit cost for future developments within Mininga will be lower mm-hmm. the, uh, the initial cost will be high because we'll have to establish roads we'll have to establish uh, water systems and uh, put in uh, offices and others. But um, once we have established the subsequent, what we call brown fields, the, the cost becomes lower. But probably one of the key measures, which probably is, is important to give a perspective of, of cost, is that uh, whenever we have costed fields uh, in terms of asking the private sector to develop, we always get uh, a tariff of more than about 10 uh, US cents. Uh, kilowatt uh, for Meningai, and I think this is one of the key uh, the, um, the key achievement is that uh, the partnership between uh, government and uh, and, the pri- and the private sector has been able to make it possible uh, for a tariff of about seven US cents uh, for the Meningai project uh, for the one of five. This is extremely very low, uh, and uh, I think the partnership. Um, between now uh, public and and, and private uh, can be able to give us compet- competitive tariffs, which then now can actually make the country become uh, competitive economically. Uh, even uh, having given the um, the opportunity to the private sector, so that is probably a better measure than uh, the total cost because the total cost uh, over time uh, as the project is advancing. You find that um, the future projects are, have lower capital investment. The earlier projects have uh, a higher capital investment, and you also may find that in the uh, in the in the earlier earlier projects, there is a lot of equipment which we need to buy, but those equipment are used across the across all the projects, and therefore you find that uh, probably the tariff then becomes a better representation of uh the actual costs that we see going uh to the to to the the consumers sophie
0: and let me ask you with technology improvement because now you 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 earlier on you said that there's um better technology and i'm thinking like with the technology improvement now you um gdc and different other institutions that are investing in Giovamo exploration becomes a little bit much more easier um is that the case and um with technology, also, is there also improvement in terms of the cost? I understand, of course, the cost is also uh, will be determined also by depending on, on where the, the, the next project is. But then again, wondering in terms of with technology improvement and you being able to have feasible uh, studies to understand where they uh, in terms of exploration, does the cost, the the, the cost the future cost of jobama production also go down?
2: uh let me say yes uh, and i want to qualify the same Mm -hmm. now you will notice that most of the risk um, that is uh, associated with geodermal is at the exploration stage Uh, but the real cost actually for exploration is normally a very small fraction probably about 10 percent of the entire project cost now as uh, technology improves in terms of uh, success rate, because that is the way most of the, the times people put in infrastructure, then you drill and you can't get steam, then everybody is worried that that money is lost. Uh, then uh, having uh, improved the, the probability to, suck, to get a, a successful project, the next most important cost is um, the generation cost. You will find that as time goes on, The efficiency of the generation units have increased. Uh, How they increase is that the amount of steam they require to generate one unit of power uh, decreases. I can give you uh, just out of my head uh, what I'm talking about. Uh, In Kenya, our first power plant, uh, when I remember it, uh, it was uh, consuming about 10 tons of steam uh, to generate one megawatt. Uh, In today's technology, we are using about uh, 7.2 tons uh, uh, to generate the same megawatt. So what that happens, what that does is that it reduces the amount of uh, money, uh, capital cost in in terms of making the steam available, and therefore uh, then it reduces the tariff that is expected uh, for uh, that is expected uh, at, at the at the user level. So my take is that as technology improves, in t- improves, then um, you expect that the tariff goes down. Uh, the other issue, which also we may need to be able to bring out, is the learning curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, ordinarily, in any field, when you start drilling at the early stages, there's a lot not known about that uh, that resource. But as um, more data becomes available during drilling and uh, testing, Uh, what normally happens is that uh, there is sufficient knowledge about a particular uh, resource, and uh, we can therefore be able to site um, much more successful wells. And uh, that then means that uh, you have uh, less, uh, what we call, unproductive wells. And once you have Less non-productive wells, and then you have uh, lower costs of um, tariffs. So we expect, as as the country continues in terms of an, uh, developing the fields, uh, you will find that um, lower tariffs are are, are more. Bold. And I think this one can also be demonstrated uh, from the Okaria expe- experience. Uh, Okaria, where Kenjan has operated, where I started working you will realize that the early plants were a bit more expensive, but the later stage wells are becoming much more cheaper as also information about the resources known. And uh, therefore, uh, you find that the tariffs become uh, much more friendlier.
0: Uh, Paul, I know GDC uh, does, uh, is not responsible for distribution when it comes to energy in Kenya, but the question, I think, because you are in the industry, and you're concentrating a lot in terms of, of, of uh, generating this particular energy. But then again, you find that uh, tariffs are quite expensive in Kenya when it comes to electricity. But then again, Kenya loses about 20% of the entire energy it actually does produce. And I know GDC is not responsible for this fish, but what is your take in terms of improving? As much as we invest, invest a lot of money in terms of uh, uh, producing this power uh, and energy, do you think it's also important that we also develop or improve our distribution systems in tandem with uh, the explorations we are doing?
2: I think I, I I concur with you. We need to look at uh, the distribution system, but we also need to look at also the demand. Uh, essentially, if you have a very elaborate uh, distribution system, but it's serving uh, a a few customers then uh, because all the operational costs and generation costs are loaded uh, to those customers then uh, you find that the tariff will be high so you will find that um, while uh, the various uh, generators will probably um, generate at a certain price but uh, for kplc and uh, probably uh, the who are in the transmission and distribution uh, they will again uh, be able to load uh, the operational cost and infrastructure cost to a unit uh, cost, which then becomes a bit more expensive. Mm. I think right now what we are having is that we have um, uh, more 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 power than uh, uh, the country needs, and uh, because it is uh, probably bought on a take or pay arrangement, then uh, if you don't have demand, uh, then uh, you find that. Um, all that money has to be. I mean, the, 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 we have to you have the customer pay for those services. Otherwise, then uh, the distributor and uh, the generators will then incur uh, losses. So I think I agree with you that we need to modernise, or rather, to make uh, our distribution uh, system efficient. But I also think that uh, we need to be able now to try and expand our customer base. Uh, so that um, the overhead costs can actually be distributed over a greater number of customers and therefore the overhead cost per unit uh, then will be lower and uh, overall then the cost will be lower for everybody. Alternatively, if we can get industrial users uh, into the country uh, because they will be consuming a lot of uh, power, then you will now notice that um, the what the cost that we are having that is excess uh, then will help us uh, the other issue is that uh, there are certain areas of our country where uh, we still don't have very reliable power especially the western part of kenya and i know the country the government is working toward ensuring that's efficient distribution uh, that will not only improve uh, consumption but it also Uh, improve losses. So my take is that yes, the distribution network is extremely important in terms of lowering the cost uh, and also if we can be able to increase our consumers uh, or to to increase consumption, uh, then we can be able to reduce the excess power which then must uh, be met by the few customers who are currently existing.
0: When it comes to geobama production,
2: what are the major challenges? The challenges that uh, we have faced, and uh, in particular for Meningai, is that uh, we also need to be able to streamline uh, policy. Uh, and in particular, there are certain instruments uh, that the private sector would uh, wish to have for them to be able to access financing. And uh, those have actually been a challenge uh, for, for, for us. When you go to Meningai today, you will find that all the wells are existing and the steam gathering system is existing. uh, And we are still waiting for the private sector to put up uh, a power plant. Uh, The challenge uh, with that partly is the fact that we have excess power and then uh, we have had to reschedule the commissioning of, of some of the power plants. But also for two of those power plants, there are certain instruments they require from government which also have taken a bit of some long period to be able to achieve. So my take is that uh, as we work toward uh, looking at the private sector, providing uh, money, I think uh, from a perspective of success, we have demonstrated that the the public can partner with the private sector uh, and essentially also still achieve uh, reasonably low tariffs. That's one. I think the key issue is that uh, the country needs to streamline um, the instruments they need to provide. And when I'm talking about the instruments we need to provide, uh, we are looking at letter of support and also partial risk guarantees, which are essential instruments uh, for the private sector to be able to access financing. Uh, If this particular approval system and instruments can be uh, made efficiently or can be provided efficiently, then we can actually be able then to attract significant uh, private sector financing at a very short time and be able to provide more power. Uh, Of course, I have also mentioned that the other challenge uh, is demand. Uh, Right now, we are slowing down uh, because as a country, we seem to have um, a bit more power. But again, uh, we may not be able to say that the country has a lot of power because this Issue is also compounded by the COVID-19 yeah. uh, which yeah. has affected the consumption. So uh, as we also overcome the, the challenge of COVID-19, uh, we still need to be able to expand our demand uh, and that then will will enable an accelerated development of the geothermal sector. The last time I looked at um, installed capacity which, which would be available, we will be talking about almost 2,800 megawatts. Uh, in terms of um, uh, what would be available to the to, to the consumer, but uh, the last peak demand I can remember was about uh, one thousand nine hundred and twenty. Probably now it could be close to uh, two thousand. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when the last time I was analyzing the, the growth of demand in Kenya, uh, which is uh, the organic one, the normal. Uh, It's like uh, in the past, we were growing roughly about 100 megawatts per year. Uh, But when we now have uh, very many power plants uh, or or, or projects which are are ready for commissioning, then we actually need uh, probably uh, greater users. If you also note that um, uh, what has happened is that the connectivity to, to homes has improved a lot. I think uh, we should be over 70% as a country. Uh, so we can now start looking at the domestic consumption as a key area, uh, but we now need to be able to start looking at industrial use, which has a greater potential to use much, much more uh, than, um, than the domestic use. Yeah. So when, when we actually are now starting to look the peak demand is the last time I saw was about 9900 1,900, uh, um, and the available capacity was about 2,800. So there is almost uh, about 900 megawatts uh, in excess of what is available.
0: I'm wondering, in terms of the future, what um, is, is is the future GDC Menengai and uh, Geothermal?
2: I think uh, uh, the way I look at uh, uh, GD, I mean I look at geothermal development in Kenya, there are two issues that. Uh, Uh, we need to look at. The first thing is that it's starting to become very exciting. It's becoming very exciting in that um, in the past, we had only one field which was proven, that is also Carrier with a very small, uh, another small field in Aburu. But uh, in the last 10 uh, 10 years, and especially with DDC participation, we are expanding uh, these resources. We are proving additional uh, potential areas and uh, that therefore means we are going to be seeing much more projects coming in. So uh, there is Meningai and we are still expanding Meningai. There is FACA which has now been proven. Uh, we also are looking at um, uh, uh, we have already drilled a few wells in Korosi, and uh, we'll be drilling uh, with time t- at, um, at Silali and um, Overall, that uh, north uh, area has a potential of 3,000 megawatts. So in that scenario, we are getting excited because we are actually being able to prove new areas. And that then means that the country can continue to harvest or to harness uh, other geothermal potential. And probably that will then continue to dominate our energy sector. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, which is an area that is now also developing, is that uh, the private sector is becoming more active. Mm-hmm. So the, the new issues we'll be seeing is that probably we'll be seeing the private sector come in a, a dominant in the future development of, of Jodama. So these are the two areas I see that are likely to start uh, becoming visible over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, However, as I had mentioned, the private sector um, uh, have a different uh, objective. Mm -hmm. They also perceive risk differently. Mm -hmm. And uh, for them to to access debt, especially the debt part, which is normally a significant part, which is about 70% of the capital requirement, Mm -hmm. then they require a lot of uh, very clear policy. Mm -hmm. And uh, they need to have uh, a very efficient process within Mm -hmm. government to facilitate them to ensure that um, their projects can actually run uh, more efficiently and and more quickly. The other issue that probably is now then critical for those development is demand. Mm -hmm. We may need to start looking at how do we drive demand uh, because essentially it is the consumers that pay uh, back. So if uh, demand does not grow, then uh, probably as much as the resources are there and the private sector are becoming more comfortable in terms of investing in or in Kenya, uh, then we might again find uh, a challenge uh, because uh, eventually we are all doing this to be able to provide uh, supply to consumers who are available or who should be available in the future.
0: Yeah, yes. I'm just wondering, um, in terms of when you look at the risk and the cost that is actually involved, the initial cost, not like now when we're talking about Kenya that has already the infrastructure in place and human resource in place. I'm just wondering, is this exploration, is geothermal, is investing in geothermal uh, energy worth the risk energy-wise I
2: and mean, cost-wise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, for Kenya, it, it is. Uh, and, uh, and I can give you quickly numbers. Uh, Let me begin by alternatives. Uh, In Kenya, the cheapest power we have is hydro, and this is because those plants are very old. Uh, They have uh, exceeded their payback period. We only pay back um, only operational and maintenance costs. The next uh, most important source of power now in Kenya, especially what we call baseload, it is uh, geothermal. Now, how do we tie that with the risk? What, what, what is known is that at the early stages, where there is very little investment, the projects are very risky. But as you develop and you come to the, what we call production, drilling and generation for successful projects, uh, the risk is significantly reduced. And uh, also when we involve uh, public, especially to do the de-risking, you realize that now we can even achieve with the private sector very, very low tariffs. Now, just to give you a perception of tariff, if we were to put thermal power plants, the thermal power plants, the cost will be in the tune of about uh, uh, 20 US cents per kilowatt. And uh, in geothermal, even our feed-in tariff is about uh, 9 US cents. So when you look at that, Giordano is probably much cheaper by more than about 100%. Uh, That is, if you compare about 20 US cents and about nine US cents. So it is extremely worthy once you have achieved a Geodamo resource. Now again, it is the longevity of a project. You realize that uh, once we have discovered a field like Menengai. If it is uh, utilized sustainably, you will notice that that resource could actually give us over a century uh, of energy. Uh, The first uh, field that has been exploited in the world of geothermal was um, commissioned in about 1904. Even today, that resource is still available. So there's a great uh, advantage in getting geothermal uh, power in. Uh, The other advantage also is the issue of um, the geothermal is not also tied to uh, market market forces. Once you have the power plant in place, then the tariff remains uh, stagnant. I mean, essentially, except for inflation, you should be able to say that the price should be able to be there for the next 30 years or so. Uh, but if you look at the alternatives like uh, thermal power plants, uh, as soon as the prices of uh, uh, of oil changes in the, in the world market, then uh, the cost of that uh, source of power changes. Uh, again, uh, the other benefit of geothermal is also it is not also subject to weather changes. It's not like hydro. So uh, you find that once uh, a power plant is available you can get up to about 98% availability. That is in a year, you can get up to uh, 12, 11 and, uh, and a half months of operation every year for the next uh, uh, probably almost uh, 25 years. So that is the kind of benefits that uh, Geovamo brings uh, on the table once uh, the project has been successful.
0: Thank you so much for your time. Thank you too. And that was all we had for you today on the Financing Change Series, a series made possible by a collaboration between the Climate Investment Funds, the African Development Bank, and the Africa Climate Conversations. Visit our website www.africaclimateconversations.com for more episodes and keep those emails coming using info at africaclimateconversations.com. But until next week on Tuesday, kwaheri, my name is Sophie Bukwa.